friends, and welcome back to Crisis of Crime. I'm your host, Rachel Means, and I'm a criminologist. It's good to be back for the fourth season of Crisis of Crime. I've been off for the summer, which has been nice. I know that it was a bit of an abrupt ending before summer without much warning, but unfortunately, I had a bit of a personal crisis. My husband and I have been trying to start a family for a while, and things weren't exactly going as planned. Long story short, I was told by my doctors that I, unfortunately, like many, many, many other people out there, have fertility issues. So naturally, as you'd assume, it was quite a shock, um, because you never really expect it to be you. So the news really threw me for a loop. So it's taken me some time to get back on my feet, but I've been working really hard to get back to feeling like my normal self, and I just want to say thank you so much to all of you for sticking around and for being here today. Okay, enough about my emotional summer. Let's get into this episode. The FBI released the crime statistics for 2020, and we have to talk about it. You would think with the pandemic and everyone being indoors that crime should have dropped across the board, right? Well, in some categories, such as property crime, it did. Property crimes fell by around 7.8%. That makes sense because property crimes are things like burglary, larceny, arson, and motor vehicle theft. You generally have to be out and about to commit these kinds of crimes. But if we look at the violent crime rate for 2020 compared to 2019, it actually went up by 5.6%, which might not seem that significant, but if we zoom in a little further, we see that the murder and non-negligent homicide rate increased by 29.4%. That is the largest single-year increase recorded by the FBI. Ever. Now, before we all start freaking out, thinking that we need to go back to the Reagan, Bush, and Clinton eras of being tough on crime, it's important to note that even though this is the largest single-year increase for homicide, it's still nothing compared to the insanely high murder and violent crime rates that we experienced in the early 90s. For comparison, in 2020, for every 100,000 people, there were 6.5 homicides. In 1991, for every 100,000 people, there were 9.8 homicides. That's a difference of around 8,000 homicides. Additionally, it's important to note that property crime in the United States is significantly higher than violent crimes, about six times higher. For the majority of the homicides that happened in 2020, they happened in the victim's home, and the majority of the homicides were committed with a handgun or firearm. I think one of the most shocking things from the FBI's report is that if we look back to the 90s, most of the homicides were happening in the big cities, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, and D.C. But in 2020, the data shows a slight majority of homicides occurring in small towns of less than 25,000 people. So now we ask the question of why. Why did the homicide rate increase by almost 30% last year? Right off the bat, I think the pandemic is probably what comes to everyone's mind first. We were all cooped up in our houses, possibly going stir crazy, but the reality is that some people likely hit their breaking points with the stress of the pandemic, the stress of not being able to leave their houses, the stress of losing loved ones or worrying about losing them, the stress of an unhealthy relationship that you are now physically unable to get out of, and more. 
The FBI's report doesn't go into details of why there was an increase in homicides, but researchers are contributing it to the pandemic and the political climate after the murder of George Floyd. Researchers at Florida State University suggested that perhaps the pandemic was increasing the likelihood of murder-suicides because of the psychological stress of the pandemic, which is possible, but according to the CDC, suicides actually fell by 5.6% from 2019 to 2020. The CDC did report that gun and alcohol sales increased in 2020, which is likely a contributing factor given that the majority of the homicides were committed with handguns or firearms. I thought we could do a little refresher on the motives for murder. You may remember me talking about the four L's of murder motives in a previous podcast of mine. If not, you're in luck because we're going to go through them right now. The four L's of murder motives are love, lust, loathing, and loot. The love motive is driven by actual love for the other person. An example of this would be an assisted suicide of a loved one who is suffering with a terminal illness. The offender in this case has technically committed murder, but they did it because they didn't want to see their loved ones suffer any longer. The lust motive is usually driven by jealousy. An example of this would be if a wife told her husband that she wanted a divorce and that she had met someone else, and he decides that if she's not going to be with him, then she's not going to be with anyone. So he murders her and possibly her new lover as well. The loathing motive is driven by hatred of another person. An example of this would be if a person commits a hate crime by murdering somebody because of their lifestyle, such as being a member of the LGBTQ community. Lastly, the loot motive is driven by greed. An example of this would be a wife hiring a contract killer to murder her husband so that she can collect the insurance money. Now, if we take the four L's of murder motives and compare them with what was happening in 2020, we can try to see if any of the four L's fits the narrative more than others. I don't really see love as being a prominent motive for this past year. It already accounts for a smaller number of murders compared to the other motives. But on top of that, most people were terminally ill with COVID this past year and died alone in the hospitals without any type of assisted suicide. Unfortunately, the COVID virus did that all on its own. Lust is a possible motive, but it's difficult to say since the majority of people were not able to socialize this past year. Although, since the majority of homicides did happen in smaller towns where people were less likely to be as strict with quarantine measures, it is possible that some of the murders in 2020 were driven by lust. Loot, once again, could be a motive for 2020, and likely was for some, as there always seems to be a steady stream of people murdering others for insurance money or committing arson for the insurance money. But I don't think it's the reason for this 30% increase in homicides. It's likely just to remain steady throughout, though. But for 2020, if I had to put my money on one of the motives, I would put it on loathing. If we start to piece together the puzzle of the stress of the pandemic and the quarantining and the financial struggles and the lack of resources and the fact that the majority of the homicides took place in the victim's home, 
we start to see a picture of toxic relationships getting to their breaking point and ending in a homicide. Think about it. If someone is in a relationship and living with a person who abuses them, and they are now stuck indoors with this person around the clock, it's just a matter of time until things escalate. Researchers also mentioned the political climate after the death of George Floyd. To say that we're a nation divided is an understatement. And when people have strong disagreements with each other that escalate, it can often end in violence. So much tension was building throughout 2020, with the murders by police officers, the protests, the counter-protests, the fact that it was an election year, and the events leading up to the Capitol riot last January. So let's bring this all back around and try to figure out what criminological theories best explain why the homicide rate went up. Hopefully, as you've been listening along, you've been thinking about what theories best explain this increase. So let's see what we've got. First and foremost, throughout the pandemic, with all the stress people have been under, the strain theories have to come into play somehow. As you'll recall, the original strain theory was published by Robert Merton in the 1930s, and Robert Agnew published the general strain theory in the 1990s, expanding on Merton's theory. Hmm, but Rachel, aren't the strain theories usually used to explain less significant crimes such as theft, prostitution, and drug trafficking instead of homicide? Why, yes, it does indeed. But let's take a little bit of a closer look at the situation. Think about the financial burdens people were under with the stress of getting laid off or getting fired, not being able to pay rent and having eviction hanging over their heads, unsure of how you're going to buy groceries, having to still go to work and not having money for childcare or not having childcare available, not having health insurance and worrying about getting COVID and not being able to afford to go to the hospital. I mean, the list of strains goes on and on and on. Usually, according to the strain theory, people who are in these situations resort to those crimes I mentioned earlier, theft, prostitution, and drug trafficking, which also includes drug dealing. But in 2020, we all had to stay inside. In fact, arrests for drug sales, prostitution, and larceny or theft actually fell by around 30% from 2019 to 2020. So how can the strain theory be applicable? Well, according to researchers at Griffith University, they actually found that the general strain theory helps explain why there are intimate partner homicides, and that it's because of a combination of the strain and emotions with the lack of suitable coping mechanisms that leads intimate partners to murder their significant others. Since the majority of homicides in 2020 occurred in the victim's home, it's not a stretch to assume that a good amount of those homicides were involving intimate partner relationships. Another theory that helps explain the increase in homicides in 2020 is the social bond theory published by Travis Hershey in 1969. As you recall, the social bond theory suggests that everyone has bonds with society that prevent us from engaging in criminal behavior, but when those bonds weaken or break, deviant and criminal behavior breaks through. Hershey lays out four basic elements of these bonds, which include attachment, commitment, involvement in conventional versus deviant or criminal activities, and the common value system. 
Attachment describes a person's relationships, such as with their parents and their peers. Commitment describes the rules that we all agree to obey in society or that we are committed to obeying in society and what we deem right from wrong. For involvement in conventional versus deviant or criminal behaviors, I think this one is pretty straightforward, but it's a choice that a person makes deciding if they are going to engage in conventionally safe and legal activities or if they are going to engage in deviant or criminal activities. And this has a lot to do with socialization. So if a person's family or a friend group is involved in deviant behavior, then it's much more likely that the person is going to engage as well. Lastly, the common value system is the system that we all unspokenly agreed to follow, which bonds us together in our society. So what does the social bond theory have to do with the pandemic and the tensions surrounding the murder of George Floyd? Well, think about our bonds with society over the past year and a half. I mean, it's like we can't agree on a single thing. Do we wear a mask? Do we get vaccinated? Do Black Lives Matter? Who is the real president? Is abortion murder? The list goes on and on. And the bonds that we have with society are no longer with society as a whole, but rather with a sub-society consisting of an echo chamber of our political and moral views. So when we hear messages from the opposite sub-society saying things that we feel are so morally wrong that it causes us to be outraged, our bonds with society weaken. Socialization also plays a huge factor in social bond. With the era of Donald Trump, a lot of people were no longer afraid to share their views no matter how extreme or damaging they were. This caused a lot of people to genuinely hate each other. I mean, families have been torn apart because of it. And this once again brings up the loathing murder motive. People who are driven by hate can do some awful things. And with the encouragement of a whole echo chamber, people feel emboldened to act. I mean, just look at what happened last January. Now, do I think 2020 is the first year that people decided to start hating each other and acting on it? No, of course not. But I do think that this hatred mixed with strain from the pandemic and the political climate, and not to mention the differential association, has led people to act more on their hatred. And just a quick refresher, differential association is a criminological theory that describes how we determine what is acceptable behavior by those around us. And that we essentially become indifferent to criminal behavior when it is normalized in our social circles. It's unclear of whether or not differential association extends to social circles on social media, since when this theory was written, the internet wasn't even a thing. But if it turns out that it is, just think about how influential social media can be. Not to mention all the inflammatory and misleading information that is out there and the effect that it has on people. So pretty much all that to say that researchers still don't know why 2020 saw an increased homicide rate of 30%. But if I had to guess, I think it would come down to the strain theory and the social bond theory. That's all I got for you today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the premiere of season four. I can't believe it has already been four seasons. My goodness. 
Uh, be sure to let me know what you think is the reason for this increase in homicides in 2020. You can find me on Twitter and TikTok at Crisis of Crime, or you can visit my website at www.crisisofcrime.com. Be sure to tune in next Monday for an all new episode. And until then, this has been Crisis of Crime. Oh.